How many takes did it take Chris to get through this intro? Find all that and more on this episode of One Cross Radio. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to slash watching One Cross Radio, and today we are rejoined by nobody. It's just me. Uh, And it took me about five or six takes to get through this intro. I'm very tired, so I'm just slurring words and tripping over them all together. It's it's bonkers. Um, So today's episode is one I talked about in the last episode. That, and I said it was coming when we did the uh, the favorite things from the Star Wars Expanded Universe uh, episode. And it is a review of the... A short review of the last four movies uh, that I've seen up until this point. Uh, another upcoming episode soon will feature the fifth one. Uh, and it will be a review of Spider-Man Far From Home with our uh, good friend awesome pal and great dad, uh, Pastor Steve Lambert. Uh, So that'll be coming up soon. Uh, Before we get into the episode proper, I just wanted to give two specific shout outs uh, to some great podcasts that I listen to. One is The Pull List uh, featuring our dear friend, Pastor Hector Mirai, and uh, who has recently been on DC's Swamp Thing. Uh, And uh, I believe Pastor Chris... Poirier, uh, they do this podcast uh, with the Love Thy Nerd Love Thy Nerd Network. Love Thy Nerd is great uh, by itself, and it's awesome to check out. But the poll list in particular has become one of my go-to podcasts uh, for all things nerdy, and especially going into a faith-based twist at specific times. Um, I'm not able to stay up to date with current comics, and a good chunk of the episode is looking at current uh, comic book movie news. Um, or show news, and also like what they're reading and why they like it. Uh, it's so it's a really really good podcast. Highly recommend check them out. You can find them uh, most places podcasts are. Uh, I get them through Podbean because Podbean is who I use to distribute, uh, and I find it's easy for me to just find podcasts on there. Uh, the second shout out is another podcast that you can find on Podbean, uh, but also iTunes and most other places. And it's one I've mentioned before. It's Hot Takes with Billy Business. Uh, Billy is most well known for uh, being involved in Screen Junkies, now Fandom Entertainment. Um, the podcast is really, really good. Uh, this morning I was listening to a very interesting episode uh, that he and Ed Greer recorded on the 30th anniversary of uh, Batman 1989. And it's less movie fights, which is a uh, uh, program they do on Fandom Entertainment, uh, formerly Screen Junkies. Um, whereas instead, the I've mentioned before, the name is kind of a, a joke. It's hot takes, but it's not like people just dishing out hot takes and ripping on a movie. It's very like good, fair discussion. Uh, with people coming from two different viewpoints. It's, it's a really good podcast. So if you like hearing about movies um, and people's opinions on them, uh, check that one out. Uh, note with that one, occasionally there is some uh, some language if that's something that bothers you. Uh, it was really funny in the, pod, in the Batman one, um, there were certain points where Ed, 
Ed was swearing and they were they were bleeping it out. But then there were certain sections where I guess it was just Ed was talking too fast and you couldn't. Um, so that made me chuckle. That's not an indictment against the podcast. It's a really good podcast. So if you like podcasts about movies and movie opinions, definitely check them out. And definitely be sure to check out The Pull List. It's, it's a really solid podcast. All right. So now into the episode, uh, the episode proper. Um, I mentioned when I did the Star Wars... EU episode that Jill and I recently had been able to go see four movies and I love seeing movies especially with with her it's 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 like a date and dates with your spouse are awesome go on them uh but we both really like film and there's been a lot of movies coming out lately that we want to see um still haven't seen Toy Story 4 and I'd love to but I'm making my peace with that I might not get to uh I, if it's between that and Spider-Man, I'm probably going to end up seeing Spider-Man. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Toy Story, but you got to be at times choosy with your budget. Um, and as much as I love Toy Story, I'm definitely going to hit that one on DVD. Uh, Spider-Man, it's the Marvel movies are like must-see in theaters for me, basically. Um, I also didn't get to see Detective Pikachu. I missed it by one week. Uh, so, anyways... Back to the, uh, while we were, we, out of getting to see movies, we've seen, uh, four kind of big ones in particular. Um, and I'm, how I'm going to go over these, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit shortly because I will ramble and I'll repeat, so I'm trying to cut off those opportunities. Um, I'm going to go the, in these from worst to best, or in some aspects, worst slash most, most disappointing to uh to best slash slash most enjoyable um and if you ask me when i heard these movies coming out and we got to may where all these were these four in quick succession succession were kicking off i did not know the list would be like this i i was hoping it'd be different all right so to kick it off uh the worst or in this case most disappointing one is definitely uh X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, there's not really much I liked about it. Uh, I wanted to like more about it. I would have liked X-Men to go out on a better note. Um, Hector Mirai, through Faith and Fandom, and a uh, another podcast um, uh, that he does, I just can't remember the name, it's through Love Thy Nerd. I'll, I'll attach the link in the description. Um... It's like a bullet point podcast. It might be the hit, the hit list or something. No, no, that can't be right. Um, anyways, he had uh, he had been talking about how with this X Men movie, it was it's difficult, uh, borderline for fans to get excited about it because we know it's the last one um, before New Mutants. Which at this point, who knows when or if that thing is ever coming out. Because uh, they keep pushing back the date. Um, yeah, it's difficult to get excited about it. It's retreading the Dark Phoenix um, and not doing it well. Again, uh, and the last the last movie wasn't uh, Apocalypse. wasn't that good. It wasn't as well received. So it's not like it. There was a lot of strong things coming in. Uh, by the way, the name of the podcast is Critical Hit. They're short, like three to four minute episodes. 
check them out as well. Um, so it was, it had a bad opening weekend. Uh, word of mouth definitely did not help. So when Jill and I saw it, I wanted to be more excited about it. I went in with low expectations. Um, and before I saw it, one of the uh, one of the funniest review titles I've I saw, um, or not funniest, just like a good burn, was it makes the Last Stand more watchable or better in comparison. Which I don't know if I'd go that far, um, but this it's ultimately for me, this movie is a lesson of what not to do. You can't do the Dark Phoenix story in a single film. Uh, also, the marketing was really stupid for this movie. Um, it had, like, the trailers featured friggin' Jennifer Lawrence, Mystique, who's not really Mystique at this point. Um, like, it featured Mystique getting killed. And then they confirmed it before the movie. Which, it would have been a nice surprise in the movie if you didn't know that was coming. Like, but they made it a prominent point. And then they out and out said, no, she died. She did. Which was really dumb. Uh, the performances were good. Like, you'll always give it that. Um, Michael Fassbender, especially as Magneto. I'm going to miss him as Magneto. Um, in this one, he definitely had the least to do. Which was a real disappointment. Um, friggin'... McAvoy, sorry, uh, James McAvoy is always good as Xavier, but this I liked because it shined a bit on uh, Charles being a, a jerk, because in the comics, Charles is a bit of a jerk, uh, The outside of the last stand, and then it was just sudden and not really done well, they never, they always look at Charles being like virtuous and he's he's an example and he's so good and he's a paragon of virtue and blah 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 and no he's he's a dick at points um sorry for the language it's just he's a jerk um so i really like that this movie didn't shy away from that uh they tried to explain it they tried to justify it but it it made sense it worked um and the brief spots on genosha were cool um Sophie Turner's performance was good. Everybody did a good job, but it was it was not a good movie. Um, like the story was kind of flat. Um, at one point, they had Nightcrawler go on a murder spree, which is not Nightcrawler. That's not Nightcrawler at all. And they just had him killing dudes left and right, which was just really really iffy. Uh, it. it like, if it had happened early in the movie, I would have been like, I want to go. Because um, there's that's not that character. I know some people were annoyed in Endgame when Spider-Man activated the instant kill mode, but those things didn't have a conscience. They were basically zombies. They were mindless. It's not the same. Whereas Nightcrawler is like the swashbuckling hero. He's a friggin' Catholic priest. In the, in the comics. Um, he doesn't just kill willy-nilly unless we're talking Age of Apocalypse uh, Nightcrawler, which is his own different character. Um, yeah, the movie fell very, very flat for me. Um, 
there was not really much that I, I cared for in the, in the flick. Um, at this point, like towards the end, I was just like, I just want these characters to be at Marvel and hopefully Marvel will get, get a home run with these characters. Um, cause you can't do the story just in one movie. They've tried twice now. So at this point it's either like do it right in a third time or you've struck out and never, ever friggin' ever try to try to do this again. Um, yeah, you can't do the movie in one. You can't do Dark Phoenix in one. It takes a while. It, it should at least be a two, if not three movie deal because you need Gene, then you need the Phoenix Force, and then you need the Dark Phoenix. Um, just, it's too much for one. Yeah, it fell really flat. Uh, it's not the worst X-Men movie. Uh, I've, I've read some people saying that, and it's not even close to the worst X-Men movie. I'd put it on par or slightly below um, Apocalypse, but it's not The Last Stand bad. The Last Stand is still much more disappointing to me um, because it messes up Angel the first time and wastes so many other people, and the, that movie has no idea what it is. Um, it's like four different stories and none get time. And... Uh, it's not as bad as friggin' X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is probably the worst X-Men movie. Uh, so that was the most disappointing. Second, next in the... It's still... I'd, I'd put it in the blah category. It's not most disappointing, but out of these four, it's the one I enjoyed the second least. Uh, Men in Black International. The funniest title I read was Meh in Black. Uh, and it, that describes the movie perfectly. Uh, when I saw the trailers, I was like, okay, I figured out, uh, Liam Neeson's going to be the bad guy. 10 seconds into the flick, Jill realized that Liam Neeson was going to be the bad guy. I don't know how much more mileage there is out of this, uh, out of this franchise, to be honest. Um, because it's always aliens, the world's in danger, aliens, the world's in danger, uh, they haven't reduced the scale. I mean, Men in Black 3 tried to get a little more personal, which, which right on. Um, I'd put this still above Men in Black 2. Men in Black 2 is just awful, except for the friggin' awesome Nod Your Head song by Will Smith. Uh, but this one still has a fall. To me, it's, it's very flat. None of the characters have any kind of arc, which is difficult to get behind. Um, Tessa Thompson's character, like, there's stuff there that's ripe to go in in depth to and look at look at a character, but they don't really do it. She starts off smart, capable, determined. Um, she ends smart, capable, and determined. Like, there's stuff in the movie where, like, the whole thing is she knows about Men in Black, she's trying to find them, but when she finds them, nothing changes with her character. And there's also no, like, adjustment on the field. There's nothing. She doesn't ever freak out. She doesn't ever, like, have a moment where she questions herself. She, nothing. Like, it's just, she's the exact same character the whole way through. Chris Hemsworth, same thing. Except at one point, you find out, like, he had been neuralized. But still, like, they didn't lean in. They didn't go into anything where he's like, 
doubting himself, which he should have been. Um, it's just like, no, no, he's he's overconfident and he's uh, he's great and cocky and flawed. But they don't ever really dive into any of that. It's just they're the exact same characters the entire way through. Nothing on an emotional level changes. Um, and that's that's not as fun to watch. Uh, there's like there's some good action. I'll give it that. Uh, there's some nice, some decent callbacks. I'll give it that. Uh, but it's 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 a very flat movie. It's 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 not good. It's all right. It's not terrible. But yeah, it's hard to describe because it's very forgettable. Because there's no real stakes for these characters because you don't real they like I said they don't grow. It relies on like and Hemsworth who I dig I dig a lot it's the most way I can liken it to is Thor Ragnarok he's he's very it's just it's plays his comedy but he also does some good acting because not and not saying comedy is not acting not saying that at all but when he's in the comedy you, you get that sarcastic tone you get everything but there's also some good scenes where he does apply some drama you get that in friggin Avengers Infinity War and to a lesser extent in Endgame but when people talk about Thor in Endgame where it's just that that sarcastic whatever and Ragnarok Men in Black International is that but the entire movie there's no real drama point um, and that that's disappointing for me I like Hemsworth as an actor I'm not as big on just jokey Hemsworth as everybody else's. Don't get me wrong. He's got comedic chops and he's very entertaining. But when it's that one note for an entire performance, it's not the funnest note. Not everybody's Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey's one note is really like 45. Uh, or the late, great Robin Williams. Same thing. Uh, so the second best movie. If you would ask me at the beginning of the summer if I thought... Uh, that this would be the second best out of these four that I saw, I would have thought you're nuts. I was ready to think this movie was uh, terrible. Um, the the trailers did it, no real favors. But to give credit where it's due, Aladdin was actually pretty good. Um, to, to be blunt, the guy, I, I hated Jafar. Hated him. Uh, the marketing did no favors to that but then the the actual movie did no favors to it uh jafar out of the original is one of my favorite villains um he's very much a mustache twirling villain he's evil for evil's sake and then jim cummings gave him i believe it was jim cummings gave him this awesome sinister voice and then in this movie it's just this like emo 14 year old version of jafar like bring me the lamp there's nothing threatening about this dude nothing they try i i get what they tried to do they tried to give him a more realistic backstory they tried to give him this stuff but to me it didn't work i was not invested in him at all uh the i don't know if it was the performance or the guy doing with what like doing the best with what he was given but jafar was the weakest point of the movie uh will smith on the other hand, was one of the stronger parts of the movie. Which, again, when those first images came out of him being the big blue genie, uh, you were like, oh, this looks bad. Um, <laughs> and 
it I think it took him a little bit of time to find himself because you are never going to be Robin Williams. Uh, and to give him credit, outside of one point or two points, he never tried to emulate Robin. Uh, he was very much trying to put his own spin on it while still honoring what came before from the classic portrayal from Robin Williams. Uh, the best parts about Genie were when he was in his more human-looking form, which where it was just like looking like Will Smith. Uh, they also added something that was never there before, where Jasmine had a hand, kind of had a handmaiden, and there's a love between, like there's a whole love bit uh, between Genie and her. It's done really, really well, it leads to a lot of comedy. The high point of the movie for me might have been there's this scene where Aladdin's trying to, as Prince Ali, impress Jasmine, and then. Genie is basically string puppeting him, but without the this. Listener, you can't see, but I just did my hands where you do the thing with the friggin' puppets. Um, and he's making Aladdin dance and just watching, like, the kid playing Aladdin, I can't remember his name, did a great job. The The lady playing Jasmine uh, did a great job. She also played Kimberly in the, uh, the 2017 Power Rangers movie. Um... She did great. They, uh, but that scene in particular, everybody was doing really, really well. But that's where you got like the the real shot of the like the Will Smith charm and what he's putting into Genie. Uh, it was it was really it was it, that scene was great, and the movie really surprised me. I did not anti- like. I went in expecting to hate it because um, I I love the original. I love the original some way. I, I did not, and what else? And yeah, I didn't care for Beauty and the Beast all that much, so I'm like, Beauty and the Beauty and the Beast I freaking loved, so the last one disappointed me. I'm like, all right, go in. Don't expect to love it. Not expect to be disappointed, but just have no expect, low expectations. And it ended up really, really friggin' surprising me. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. The songs were great. There was a new original song that was really good. Um, and the different takes on the songs were also really good. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it a fair bit. A lot more than I thought I would. Uh, all right. So the so as of this recording, the funnest movie I've seen, the, not funniest, the funnest and best movie I've seen since Endgame is hands down Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, to me, was outstanding. Uh, it is not a perfect film <coughs> by by any means. Uh, like, it, it does have some story structure flaws. It does have an abundance of human characters. Uh, but the thing is, as much as I love Godzilla movies, you it's... You almost need the human characters, uh, and it works a lot. They work a lot better than, say, the uh, the characters did in a number of the Toho Godzilla movies, and also especially the the anime Godzilla trilogy, which was not to, to me not that good. Um, the characters really do work. Uh, there are some there are some things that fall flat. Yeah, there are some things that uh there are some things that fall flat, but. 
I can't actually focus on them. <laughs> the things that are really good are uh, one, the score. The score was outstanding. Um, I can't remember the composer's name, so I do apologize for that. But he did a tremendous job of adding to the music and uh, uh, incorporating Japanese themes. At one point, you get the classic Akira Ifukube. Uh, I'm mispronouncing his name. Uh, I'm butchering it, so I apologize. But he incorporates the classic Godzilla theme, which Jill at one point had to grab my hand because when I heard it, I was like, uh, he at the end of the movie he incorporates the uh, the Mothra theme, which I didn't see coming. Which also I was like, this is awesome. Uh, there's so much good in this movie to me. Like that's the thing. I recognize that they're flaws, but I also don't care. I enjoy it too much. It's 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 I don't want to say harmless fun or brainless fun, but it's a fun monster romp. Uh, friggin' when I saw some of the uh, comments afterwards, some reviewers, it was in 2014's Godzilla, a lot of critics and criticisms were like, there's not enough monster action. Godzilla's barely in this. And then in, in this one, it's, there's too much monster action, not enough human story stuff. And it's like, did, did you watch the trailer? Do you know what this movie's supposed to be? It's a friggin' monster romp, son. And it was, and it was a tremendous monster romp. Uh, Ghidorah. Oh my gosh, I love... I've been so excited to see King Ghidorah on the big screen. Uh, especially since they said it was happening at the end of Kong Skull Island. I've just been, like, so excited. Because he is... He is Godzilla's big bad. Uh, Destroya is like number two, or almost tied with number one. But when you think of Godzilla villains, you think of King Ghidorah slash Ghidorah. Um, Rodan looks great, and they and Mothra looks great. Mothra, unfortunately, was not in as much as I like. But the thing was, they made all these all these monsters have their have personalities. Uh, Rodan wakes up angry and <laughs> sees Ghidorah, Ghidorah coming and Mo, um, uh, friggin' Ghidorah and Rodan throw down. And Rodan stands no chance against Ghidorah. So then after Ghidorah kicks the crap out of him, Rodan's subservient. Uh, Mothra and Godzilla have a kinship they show, which is a nice... Uh, throwback to the Japanese films where they were adversaries but they were also friends um, and Mothra and Rodan throw down Mothra and Ghidorah throw down and Mothra dies because that's borderline what Mothra does uh, but then Mothra helps Godzilla like even in death helps Godzilla overcome Ghidorah and an almost nice throwback to friggin uh uh Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2 where Rodan uh, kind of gets shot down and then Godzilla absorbs Rodan's essence because <laughs> uh, I say Godzilla movies uh, and then that gives Godzilla his spiral ray 
in this movie has so many references and lifts from plots from various different Godzilla movies across the ages um, from the Heisei from the Showa period as well not so much from the Millennium and that's okay um, Godzilla's on the verge of burn, burning uh, burning down uh, having a meltdown which is lifted from Godzilla vs. Destroya which ended the Heisei period the Oxygen Destroyer makes an appearance, which was great, and a nice throwback to the 54 original Gojira, because that's what kills him. And then also it's what uh, creates Destroya, so you're tying it into two different movies, kind of. Uh, there's a lot of references to Skull Island. You never see Kong, but there's references to Skull Island, which was great, because it ties it in even more. Uh and it helps set up next year's uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which I'm really pumped for. Uh, yeah, there's so much good here. So much good. Uh, the monster action is easily the best part. The cast all do a great job. Uh, yeah, I don't have really any complaints. Uh, I, like I said, I recognize the flaws, but I also don't care. It's just, it's a fun movie it was a fun monster romp it was not like i had sky high expectations but it, it was better than what i was expecting uh man yeah it was awesome the, oh here's and, and it's a nitpick but it's not really a, a complaint um at one point when godzilla is actually no here's a couple more things sorry uh actually i'll do the nitpick but then i'll add the other things i liked um the nitpick is, I was, with knowing and loving Godzilla, you know, he's got his regular atomic breath, but then he also has the spiral red uh, variant, which is like his most powerful attack. Um, and when Godzilla was melting down at the end, I was like, oh, snap, we're going to see the spiral red. We didn't. He kind of had more of a atomic EMP, and that's what uh, defeated Ghidorah. Uh, Ghidorah, it was, he was so hot that things around him were melting, Ghidorah couldn't handle it. Uh, so it's, it, it's a nitpick. I would have loved the red heat ray, but I get why they didn't go with it. They, they went with something a little different, a little more original, and that's fair. That's fine. Um, it's not a legit complaint. That's why I said nitpick. Um, the other things I really liked, uh, were that they kept Ghidorah alien. There are certain things from Godzilla where I'm like, you know what? We're never gonna, we're never gonna get that explanation. It's just too far out there. It's too old school. It's too different. Uh, and I was ex, ex, uh, borderline accepting and expecting them to just be like, Ghidorah's just a monster. With these monsters, they're like they're prehistoric creatures. They are. They're it. That's it. That's all there is to it. Ghidorah, they actually go into like, nah, he's he's an alien. He's he's not from this planet. He's not local. He's an invasive species. Uh, that's why at one point they're looking at some of the stuff Ghidorah is doing, and the main scientist, they're all scientists, but one of the main scientists, he's like, this doesn't make any sense. The laws of physics. The laws of nature do not go with this. This this should not be happening. Because Ghidorah is causing hurricanes. He's causing storms. It's things that should not 
and technically cannot happen together happening together. And then that's when you get into the explanation of it was theorized and it is believed like he is not from here. He fell from the sky. So I liked that they kept the alien aspect. Um, also, towards the end, the other thing I really like with Ghidorah is it seems like there's reason to believe he could come back because early on in the movie they show uh, in what because Godzilla and Ghidorah uh, square off three times. At one point, Godzilla w- rips off one of Ghidorah's heads uh, and just tosses it aside, and then later in the movie you see Ghidorah's head regrow. So it shows how regenerative Ghidorah is. At the end of the movie, you find Ghidorah's head, and then the eco-terrorist group is trying to get uh, DNA. So, what is possible, though, is the thing that excites me is you might get Ghidorah back. Because we've we've seen Ghidorah regrow a head, but can the head grow a new body? Uh, So, if they ever bring in Ghidorah or Mecha King Ghidorah... Uh, that would be an interesting way to go. The MonsterVerse, outside of the MCU, is the shared universe that is getting it right. Uh, So I really, really hope that when the rights kind of go after Godzilla vs. Kong, that Toho and Legendary figure out a deal where we can still get these movies, uh, where you can still get Godzilla. I don't want this franchise to end. Part of me wants it to end on a good note. But I also, I would like them to keep going. And I think there's there's grounds for more. And I'd love to see more of the classic uh, Toho Kaiju make an appearance with the, the benefits of an American budget. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let me know in the comments. What did you think of these movies? Did they surprise you? Were... Did you enjoy them more than I did? Uh, Let me know. And the reason I'm spoiling all these is all of these movies have been out for a while now. uh, And by the time this is posted, they'll have been out for even longer. So most of the time, I try to go spoiler-free for a good at least two to three weeks, if not a month. Uh, At this point, some of these have been out for well over a month. So it's fair game. All that being said, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please, like I said, be sure to check out uh, the Pull List podcast as well as uh, Hot Takes with Billy Business. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have a wonderful day. And God bless, my friends. Take care. Peace.